share with you today. And um, it's found in the book of St. Matthew's, very familiar passage of scripture. And uh, the Lord has just placed this on my heart to share with the people of God uh, uh, this morning. Uh, St. Matthew's, the fifth chapter. St. Matthew's, the fifth chapter. And we're going to just look at one verse. We're just going to look at one verse here today, and that is verse uh, number six. Verse number six. Verse number six. St. Matthew's, chapter five, verse six. You will find these words written, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let me say it again. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. I want to talk to you all for a few moments or as the spirit leads from this subject matter, finding satisfaction. Finding satisfaction. Finding satisfaction. I think that you would agree with me that we live in a culture that craves satisfaction but never seems to find it. And even the rich and famous cannot find satisfaction because they are trying to find it all in the wrong places. So when we let Jesus be our Lord, when we let him be the master of our lives, we will naturally hunger and thirst after righteousness. And there's a promise for those of us that have a hunger, that has a thirst for righteousness. Jesus declares, they shall be filled. Now, now, in order to do that, it requires three things. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. I want to talk about the three things that will cultivate that will give you a desire and a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. The first thing we must do is we must cultivate a good spiritual appetite. We must cultivate a good spiritual appetite. Hunger and thirst reminds us that eating and drinking are essential for healthy physical lives. In the same way, righteousness is not optional for being spiritually healthy. To hunger and thirst after righteousness means we desire righteousness like a starving person wants food or a person without drink for three days desire water. Hungering and thirstiness is more than thing else have passionate desire for the things of God. Yes, we will want to worship him. 
We would want to study his word, to prayer, and to minister in his name. Fact of the matter is, when we go to the doctor, one of the first questions he or she asks is, how is your appetite? How is your appetite? If we have not eaten in several hours and have no appetite, something is physically wrong. And so it is in the same manner that if we have no appetite for the things of God, something is spiritually wrong. If we are spiritually healthy, we will have the same desire that is found in Psalms 42 and 1, where David says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. In the King James, as a heart panteth after the water brooks, so my heart panteth after thee, O God. And so a good spiritual appetite reveals itself in a craving for the word of God. You see, a hungry person doesn't have to be forced to eat. I mean, you all know when you really get hungry, nobody has to force you to eat. And so it is in the same way a spiritually hungry person doesn't have to be begged to come to Bible study or to worship services or Bible discovery where, where God's word is being taught. And so given the opportunity, if we are spiritually hungry, we, would, we will devour the word of God. We would declare what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah the 15th chapter, verse number 16. He says, your words were found and I devoured them. He says, your words are my joy and my heart's delight because I am called by your name, O Lord God of armies. And so in other words, what he's letting us know, that when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'll have a craving for the word of God. It was the same David that said, that word have I what hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. I don't know about you, but I love the word of God. I'm just wondering, is there anybody that just loved the word of God? You find joy in reading the word of God. You find peace in reading the word of God. And so to cultivate a good spiritual appetite, we must avoid unhealthy food. I'm going to say it again. In order to cultivate a good spiritual appetite, we must avoid unhealthy food, such as any type of pornography, whether in movies, magazines, or on the internet. Somebody said, Pastor, this is a sanctified church. This is a Holy Ghost field church. The Holy Ghost told me to say it, that, that when you look at pornography in movies and magazines and all on the internet, that's not healthy food. We also not water down the word of God because that removes the spiritual nutrients. And I understand we're living in a day, we're in a time now 
where people want the preacher, the people want the teacher, teacher to water down the word of God. But my brothers and my sisters, I encourage you, now's not the time to water down the word of God. Because when we water down the word of God, we remove its spiritual nutrients. And so our heart's desire must be to obey God's word. There's an old saying about the Bible. Somebody once says, this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. Oh yeah, the book of the Bible will keep you from sin, but how many of y'all know sin will keep you from having a desire, amen, to read the word of God. You got the hunger, you have to thirst after righteousness. You have to read the word of God because the word of God is like fire. It'll burn up everything that's not like God out of our lives. The word of God is like a hammer. It'll break up everything that's not like God that's in our lives. And so, yes, we have to have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. We must avoid all sin. And then we will have the attitude that's found in Psalms 119 and verse 16, where the psalmist says, your laws, in other words, your word, make me happy. And he said, I will never forget your word. I need y'all to understand the word of God will make you happy. Ah, the word of God, somebody said it'll make you shout and glad, or it'll make you fight mad. Well, I'm glad that if it makes you fight mad, that just simply means that the word of God is convicting your heart. And when your heart is convicted and you return from your sins, I guarantee you and I promise you, the word of God will make you happy all down on the inside. And so in order to find satisfaction, we must cultivate a good spiritual appetite. And not only must we cultivate a good spiritual appetite, but then we must also investigate. We must investigate the meaning of righteousness because the scripture says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. What are you hungering and thirsting for? For righteousness. So you have to cultivate a good appetite. And then you must investigate the meaning of righteousness. The word righteousness in our text doesn't refer to imputed righteousness. In other words, justification. Well, let me make it more simple. Or being saved. Fact of the matter is, it refers to personal faithfulness to God and a passionate desire for personal holiness. I'm going to say it again. It refers to personal faithfulness to God and a passionate desire for personal holiness. I believe it also includes a desire for personal holiness to prevail in the lives of other people. So in other words, I'm not just concerned about myself. I don't just only pray for myself, but as I work on my personal holiness and I, as I have a 
passionate desire for it, I must also pray not just for myself, but also for somebody else. You see, many do not hunger and thirst after righteousness because they think it takes all the fun and joy out of life. I need you to understand there's joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Okay, let me help you. There's fun in the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all know that you can have fun in the Holy Ghost? All because you have the Holy Ghost don't mean that you have to sit there and look deep and look like you sprayed yourself with starch and somebody put you on the ironing board and steamed you real good and starched you real good. No, you can be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you can still laugh. Come on, somebody. You can still smile. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is uh, my strength. And so many, they don't hunger, they don't thirst. Because what we as believers have betrayed to them and what we have shown them. And many don't hunger and thirst because they think that it takes all the fun and the joy out of life. Someone once said, they said, having spent considerable time with good people, they said, I can understand why Jesus liked to be with tax collectors and sinners. And whether you believe it or not, this view is shared by most. And that is why a desire for righteousness is on the decline. Well, pastor, what did you mean that he liked to spend time? He did not spend time with them, joking and jesting. But when he spent time with them, he always had a meridian meeting. Oh, those that come to Tuesday night, you know what I'm talking about. It was always a divine appointment. It was always that they saw something in him or they heard something from him that would always change his life, change their life. And so you have to understand that hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it doesn't just mean keeping a lot of laws or living by a list of do's and don'ts. Can I talk to y'all for a minute? I'm, I'm going to say it again. It don't mean keeping a lot of laws or living by a list of do's and don'ts. Then, then, Pastor, what does it mean to seek righteousness? Well, I'm glad that you asked because describing the last judgment, Jesus said that he will tell those on his right to come and receive their inheritance. And then when you look in Matthew, the 25th chapter, 31 through 36, next he will say that they are receiving their inheritance because he was hungry. Don't miss it. And they fed him. He said that he was thirsty and they gave him something to drink. He needed clothes, and they clothed him. He said that he was sick, and they visited him, and so on and so on. Read it in that 25th chapter. But watch this. The most important part of our Lord's illustration is what he says in the first phrase of verse number 37. He says, then 
shall the righteous answer him. I don't want you to miss it here. He said, then shall the righteous answer him. The righteous will ask him, when did they see the Lord hungry and feed him or thirsty and give him something to drink? Ah, my brothers and sisters, it's critical to understand who Jesus calls righteous. Oh, come on here. You, you got to understand who he calls righteous. Uh, he didn't call those that hey, speak in more tongues than they speak English, the righteous ones. He didn't call those that don't miss no Sunday service, no, no, no Bible study, no conference, no holy convocation. Those are not the ones that he called righteous. It's critical to understand who Jesus calls righteous because a righteous person does good things and doesn't even remember because he or she does them so naturally. I'm going to say it again. A righteous person, they'll do something. They'll bless somebody. And guess what? Many times they'll forget it. Hey, why? Because it's just natural for them to be a blessing to somebody else. They don't go around telling people about the good things that they do. Ah, oh, they never want their good deeds to be spotlighted. I'm going to make somebody mad when it's going on Facebook. But I don't understand why every time somebody do something, they have to post it on Facebook. I don't understand every time you feed the hungry, you got to post it on Facebook. I don't understand every time you buy somebody a hamburger, you have to show yourself buying them a hamburger. The Bible says, can I stick with the Bible, church? The Bible says that when righteous people do good deeds, they don't do it to be complimented. Hallelujah, they do it because they know it's the right thing to do. And so I need you to understand, my brothers and sisters, to do righteousness is not enough. To be righteous is not enough. Both are essential in order to be blessed. Many folk want to be righteous, but they don't want to do righteousness. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me here. Many people want to do righteousness, but they don't want to live righteous. But you have to understand that both of them are essential in order for us to be blessed. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we desire more than anything else to be good people, which means being like Jesus Christ. I know the Bible said that there's no good in any of us, but all because the Bible says that our righteousness is that filthy rags. It don't mean we can just live any old kind of way. I don't want you to become discouraged and say, well, since they say that no good thing dwelleth in man, I might as well give up. Well, the first mistake that you just made, if you have that attitude, is simply this. You try to live this life in your own strength and with your own abilities. But how many of y'all know I can do all things? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's not Gary Watkins 
but it's the God that's inside of me. It's not you. It's the God that's inside of you. Pastor Watkins can't live righteous. Pastor Watkins want to tell some folk out every now and then. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me here. Pastor Watkins haven't forgotten how to curse. I didn't say I curse. I said I ain't forgot how to curse. And if you don't keep this flesh under subjection, guess what? You'll find words coming out of your mouth. And so our righteousness is as filthy rags. But when we hunger and thirst after his righteousness, that means we want to do all the good that we can. And that means we want to be more like Jesus. The more I hunger, the more I thirst, the more I get into the word of God, the more I conform myself into the image of Jesus Christ. And so to be like him, we must allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Oh, yeah, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And this is because the fruit of the Spirit is a word picture of Jesus Christ himself. Therefore, the hunger and thirst after righteousness is to be starving for the nine components of the fruit of the Spirit that is recorded in Galatians, the fifth chapter beginning at verse 22. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we will become a righteous person. It all begins, it all begins by becoming more loving. Somebody ought to say becoming more loving. Uh, you can't be mean and cantankerous. You can't be nasty to everybody and expect to be filled. You can't tell me that you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness and you're snapping 24 hours a day, going off 48 hours a day. You don't put 24 more hours in your day because that's how much you go around snapping and fighting. No, I need to help somebody here today. It all begins by becoming more loving. The fact of the matter is love is not listed as the first component in the fruit of the spirit by accident. It is because it is most important. Love is like a painter's canvas. Without the canvas, there is nothing to which the paint can stick. The fact of the matter is, Paul, in the 13th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, he tells us all about the love chapter. And I believe Hebrews 11 chapter is the love chapter. And he goes on to let us know that no matter what you do, if you don't do it with love, it means absolutely nothing. I don't care how well you can preach. If you don't have love, it means nothing. I don't care how well you can sing. You can run up and down the scales. You can change keys three or four times. But you need to understand if you don't have love, you're just a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. In other words, you're just putting on a show. I don't know about y'all. I don't want to just put on a show. I want the love of God to reign in my life. And in the same way, without love, there's nothing to which the other components can adhere to. It don't matter how much peace you desire. If you don't have no love, 
peace don't have nothing to stick to. Come on here, somebody. It don't matter how much joy you desire. My God, if you don't have love, uh, joy don't have nothing to stick to. Because the Bible makes it very clear. You can't have peace without love. You can't have joy without love. You can't be long-suffering without love. And the list goes uh, on and on. Now, abiding faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is love. Yeah, all of us need more faith. I know you want faith to be able to call things into existence. I know you want faith to be able to move mountains. But you need to have love first. Because faith without love, it has nothing to stick to. And so righteousness, I want you to understand it here, is simply becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Because the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in our lives. And so we must become more loving and the rest will follow naturally. And so in order to find satisfaction, it requires that we cultivate a good spiritual appetite. It requires that we investigate the meaning of righteousness. And then last but not least, it requires that we evaluate our lives. Ah, evaluate our lives. Yes, evaluate our lives. Jesus said that we will be blessed if we, ah, right there, that's conditional. It's conditional. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, then we shall be filled. That word translated filled, it, it just simply means abundantly satisfied. <clears throat> In other words, God says, hallelujah. If you want to be satisfied in every, hallelujah, area of your life, my God. I'm talking about every area. When you go out, when you come back in, every area of your life, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, I'm talking about every area of your life. He says, hallelujah, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he's going to fill you. In other words, my God, you're going to be abundantly satisfied. Oh, you know, we live in a day and a time now where many people have wrecked their lives with personal debt, with gambling, with drugs and alcohol, with sexual immorality, and the list goes on and on because they're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Many other people look for satisfaction in professions, possessions, pleasures, and prosperity. But how many of y'all know that new car only make you happy for so long until the first payment comes? And then when the insurance come in on top of that, and then later on when it's time to register it, 
and the registration is more than a car payment, all of a sudden that smile on your face, it turns into a frown. Oh, but can we take the words of Jesus? Jesus said, I want to abundantly satisfy you. Hey, I want you to be satisfied in every area of your life. And he says, I'm making it real simple for you. All you got to do is just hunger and thirst after my righteousness. Ah, will anybody agree with me here today? That lasting satisfaction can only be found in Jesus. Oh, I've been in many places. I've seen many faces. I've, I've, I've done some things. And I'm not going to tell you that they were all right. And I'm not going to tell you that they were all wrong. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't have fun. But can I tell y'all something? Fun is just for a season. But how many of y'all know when God satisfies you? My God, he'll satisfy you in your young age. He'll satisfy you in your old age. He'll satisfy you even when you're sick. He'll satisfy you when you get on your deathbed. I say God is the only person that can abundantly satisfy. Let me get ready to close. My time is just about up. But this is because, how is it that he's able to satisfy me? Well, St. John 6 and 35, my God, he declared, I am the bread of life. And then he made a promise to all of us. I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Believe on me as the scripture hath said it. And out of your belly, hey, from the innermost of your being, shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody ought to shout, Lord, let it flow, let it flow. Shout, let it flow. Let the rivers of living waters flow from way down on the inside of my soul. And so God gives us a, spirit, a physical appetite in order to keep us alive. If we didn't have an appetite, we would just shrivel up and we would die. And so hunger is necessary for life. You don't know to eat until you get hungry. I'm not talking about you folks that just like to eat all day just to be snacking. I ain't, talk, I ain't talking to y'all right now. I ain't talking to y'all right now. I ain't talking about y'all that's sneaking some popcorn while I'm trying to preach. I'm not talking to y'all. I ain't talking to one that got some Doritos and say, God, I'd be glad when he get through so I can snack on these Doritos. I'm not talking to you right now, but hunger is necessary for life. In the same way, watch this, God gives us a spiritual appetite so we will come to Jesus and receive spiritual life. Yes, yes, if we are saved, if you're saved here today, and you do not hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, you just may not be spiritually healthy. And the storms of life is going to get the best of you. But how do you know? How do you know if you hunger and thirst after righteousness? I'm, I'm glad that you asked as a close. I'm glad that you asked, how do I know when I'm hungering and when I'm thirsting? after righteousness. Well, you must evaluate your life in three quick areas. Number one, you got to evaluate your schedule. Come on here. I said you must evaluate 
your schedule. How much time did you have for God this week? Just this last week. How much time did you really have for God? I know you're working. You're working at home. You're trying to be a teacher at home with your kids. You got to be the principal at home with the kids. Come on. You got to make lunch at home for the kids. I know it's a busy time, but I need to still ask you the question. God didn't put you on the back burner because of this pandemic, and we cannot afford to put God on the back burner because of the pandemic. Evaluate your schedule. I want to ask you how much time have you spent with the Lord? I see you in worship today, but will you be in Bible study Tuesday night? Y'all ain't got to talk back here with me. Evaluate your schedule to see if you have violated, violated the exhortation that's recorded in Hebrews 10, 25, where he says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Somebody said, well, pastor, we're not going to the church building. That don't apply to us today. Yes, it does. We are assembling ourselves right now. I could see you. You could see me. I could shout hallelujah. You can shout, thank you, Jesus. We are a sim- Ain't God good? Somebody ought to shout, I know the Lord is good. Come on here, somebody. God's good that God, my God, happened to where we can virtually encourage one another. Who would have ever thought the day would come that all I would have to do is walk downstairs to my home office and sit in a chair, and all you had to do was go to the next room, and we would still be able to rejoice together in the God of our salvation. Don't, 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 don't tell me what God can't do. Man means it for evil. God takes everything and he works it out for our good. And so we must evaluate our schedule. Secondly, we got to evaluate our finances. Uh Uh-oh, somebody said you were doing good, Pastor. But stay out of my pocketbook. No, I'm not going to stay out of it. The devil is a liar. God talks more about finances in the Bible then he does salvation. I need, y'all to, I need y'all to hear me. I say God talks more about finances than he does uh, uh, salvation. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, we don't have a problem giving back to God. Oh, come on, giving back to God is not the most important part of the Christian life. But Jesus says it is something that we ought to do. He don't put all the emphasis on that, but he says it's something that we ought to do. Hey, show me your checkbook. Show me your Giblify. Show me your cash app, and I'll show you. Show me Zelle, whatever that is, and show me, and I guarantee you I'll show you whether or not you have a true hunger and a thirst for God. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus evaluated our giving by saying in Matthew 6 and 21, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we got to evaluate our schedule. We have to evaluate our finances. And then last but not least, we got to evaluate our attitude toward other people. No matter how much money you give, come on. If you have a bad attitude towards other people, it means nothing. You can stay on your knees 724 
And if it don't do you no good and you don't treat people right, you might as well get on up off your knees, come out of that prayer closet. You might as well start eating instead of fasting for three days because you got to learn how to treat people right. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness, it will be revealed uh, in your attitude towards others. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll learn how to release every hurt. Hallelujah. You'll release every offense. You will refuse to harbor bitterness, resentment, malice, or prejudice against anyone. Somebody say, let it go. Come on, say, let it go. Let it go. To have the right attitude toward people, we must obey the command. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4 and 32, he says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as our God have forgiven you for Christ's sake. So we got to learn to forgive. We have to learn to be tenderhearted. We have to learn to be kind one to another. So in order for us to find real satisfaction, we got to cultivate a good spiritual appetite. We have to investigate the meaning of righteousness. And then we have to evaluate our own lives. Don't try to evaluate nobody else's life. You evaluate your own life. We can find bad out of everybody else, but we can't find the bad that's down inside of our own hearts. He said he'll satisfy your mouth with good things. God said, I'll satisfy you. I'll satisfy you. Stop looking for satisfaction in your friends, in your loved ones, in what you do daily. Real satisfaction comes when we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he promised us that we shall be filled. In other words, we shall be abundantly satisfied in every area of our lives. And you know what? This satisfaction, this feeling is up to you. It's up to you. You make the choice. You make the church. You make the choice of whether or not you want to be filled, abundantly satisfied, simply by hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Every head bow, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. I want you to take a moment and think about what you just heard. Take a moment. Take a moment. And in the quietness of where you're sitting, ask God to cultivate a good spiritual appetite within you. God, create a hunger. Create a thirst for more of you in our lives. In the name of Jesus. God, as we, as we investigate the meaning of righteousness, we understand that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So it really don't have nothing to do with us, but it has everything 
to do with your son, Jesus Christ, that lives inside of us. And because he lives in us, God, we can do the impossible. We can love those that mistreat us. We can forgive those that our flesh would tell us are unforgivable. God, because we understand it's not us, but it's the Christ that lives inside of us. Then God, help us to evaluate our lives. Ah, help us to evaluate our lives. Help us to evaluate our schedules, God. Forgive us for being so busy and clouding you out. Help us, God, to evaluate our schedule. Help us to set aside time on a daily basis that we can fellowship and that we can hear your voice. Help us to evaluate our finances. Let us be disciplined in our spending in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us to realize that life don't, uh, don't consist of the abundance of things, things that tangible things that we can touch and feel, that we can buy, that we can play with, that we can drive, that we can live in. Ah, God, help us to evaluate our finances. And then God, help us to have the right attitude toward everybody, not just your children, but everybody. Help us to have the right loving attitude to the racist in the name of Jesus. God, let our light so shine ah, before you and men that they may see our good works. They may see uh, the joy that we have, that they may see the peace that we have obtained and they, they will glorify our Father which is in heaven. Forgive us of all sin in the name of Jesus. Wash us, cleanse us, make us whole. Fill us all over again in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray for those that are sick today. I pray that you will let your healing virtue flow from the top of their heads down to the soles of their feet in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray for those that are yet on the front lines. Oh God, I pray their strength that you would bring peace in the midst of confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. You are the Prince of Peace. And God, we know that you are in full control of everything that's going on. And we say, have your way, have your way. We say, have your way, Lord, have your way. Because we trust you. And we know that you'll work good for the people that love you and those that are called according to your purpose. We thank you and we praise you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Somebody put those hands together and give God praise. Christ as the personal Savior, we dare not go any further without extending the invitation right where you are, right where you are, right where you are. We want to extend this invitation to the sinner that have not accepted Jesus Christ into their life. And they want to say, you know, I'm, in your mind you, and in your spirit, you're saying, everywhere I go to look for satisfaction, it just don't last. It just don't last. But today, I want you to know that this word applies to you as it applies to God's children. That if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he promised that you will be filled. And if you are listening to me, if you're listening to me, you say, the life of sin too long I've run. God, I'm ready to come home now. 
Somebody said, Pastor, what do you mean come home? Well, the Bible declares all souls are mine, said the Lord. I'm ready to come home now. I'm ready to ask for forgiveness of my sins. I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that, and that they buried him and he rose on the third day. And God, I confess now my sins. I confess that without you, I am absolutely nothing. It's very simple. Just admit that you are a sinner. Just believe that he died. They buried him. He rose on the third day. And confess your sins to the Lord. And the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Because somewhere they may, they may be a sinner. And this is the most important part of any service. Amen. This is the most important part of any service. There may be a sinner that have heard the word today and God has it's drawn them and have pricked their hearts and convicted their conscience and they want to be saved today. Sinner man, sinner woman, sinner boy, sinner girl. I want you to repeat this in a prayer after me, wherever you are, wherever you are. I want you to simply say, dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins. And the life that I have lived, I need your forgiveness. I believe that you are the only begotten son of God, that you shed your precious blood on the cross at Calvary. You died for all my sins. And I am now willing to turn from my sins. You said in the Bible that if I confess the Lord my God and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that I shall be saved. So God, right now, right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord with my heart. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And this very moment, right where, I'm, right where I am, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to his word, right now, I am saved. Amen and amen. God bless you. I need that person. I need that person who have prayed this prayer. If you prayed this prayer, I need you to go to our website. It's real simple. Go to our website, www.greatersaintlukecogic.com. And I need you to go over to where it says contact. And I need you to send us an email. And just let, just let us know. Say, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to send you, I want to send you some material to read free of charge to help you with your new life in Jesus Christ. You've made the first step. You've made the first step. Now all I need you to do is trust God to do the rest. Go to www.greatersaintluke.com cogic.com. Go to the contact 
and then and send us a message. And we'll be glad to get in touch with you and to assist you on your journey for your new life. This is not about church membership. It's not about church membership. It's about you are now a part of the kingdom of God. And we want to help you with your kingdom walk. And let the people of the Lord say amen. God bless you all. May heaven shine on you. It's good to see all of you that I can see.